the best coaches in the game. <laughs> we really ain't playing. We regroup up in the slack chat where the coaches debrief. We be piecing these puzzles, occupy the chunk of the pie. Ain't no lie when we hit the block, helmets casket is top. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a really, really exciting new episode of the DFS Army Bold Call Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Allen, aka the Geek, and I've got my partner in crime with me, the fantasy football encyclopedia himself, Alan Sislowski, aka Season Long Says. What's up, Says? Good morning. And if you're listening to this podcast in the afternoon or night, it's a good afternoon or good night to you. What's up, man? We it's been a little bit since you and I have been uh, together, and uh, now that we're in the heart of fantasy football research season, and it looks like there's going to be a season. Um, I, I've just been playing a ton of best ball. DraftKings, man, they launched the best ball format this week. I've been waiting for this. I didn't want to say anything. It seemed almost like it wasn't going to happen. Didn't want to say anything, but DraftKings launches best ball, and it's going to open up best ball format to a whole new world of people. Now, here's the great thing about this, guys. I love year one of a new format because 70 to 80% of the people who are playing – Best ball on DraftKings this season have not played it before, and they don't know the techniques. They don't know the techniques that I used, says, to cash in 17 out of 21 best ball leagues last season. And when you don't apply these strategies to your best ball team, you are not going to win. So we have an edge here. We have a first-year edge in best ball on DraftKings. And what I want to do for our listeners, for our DFS Army subscribers— is share the techniques that you and I use. We've been doing best balls for quite a few years. Speaking, speaking of share, let's just get this out of the way first. If you're if you're on, if you're listening to this, share the video, like the video, make a comment if you if you wish. We will comment back while even while we're on the air live here. Uh, but it, it helps it helps get the uh, the podcast out there. And you might be saying, "Hey, I don't want to give out my podcast to some strangers." It helps us uh, grow the content and be able to continue to do this. So, just do us a favor and throw us a like, throw us a share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel at DFS Army. Uh, we're gonna, really going to be putting out a lot of good content for all of our subscribers. Yeah, nonstop. Now that's out of the way. There we Let's go. That's right. Keep going. I can subscribe, baby. So. Best ball requires a very specific strategy because I learned this in my first year playing best ball leagues. If you don't draft right, and if you don't draft with a plan, you wind up with multiple position groups getting you zeros. You cannot win with zeros. So you have to think about, number one, that variance in a best ball format is diminished by the fact that, hey, if I've got Mr. goes off one week, has a terrible week the next week, I don't have to think about whether or not I have to start him. You always get your player on the, his splash week. So you look for these players that can get you splash weeks and what position groups can do that. You look at again that against position groups that deliver consistency where I don't need to spend as many roster spots on them. So um, what have you noticed about the DraftKings format? Before we jump into like um, position group strategy, what have you noticed about the DraftKings format that is a little different from any other format is yeah. if it's anything. Yeah, no, there's definitely, there's something that sticks out now forget the scoring. So, cause the scoring situation, uh, you know, there's the draft standard DraftKings bonuses, the three points for hundred yard games, the three points for the quarterbacks. But that aside, there's a, a key roster construction difference. So just compare it, for example, to best ball tens, which is, you know, the one that I have been playing the most, I've just started playing a little underdog fantasy and I can't wait to play, um, that other game. I told you zap, but the, um, the, the key difference here is there's 20 rounds, whereas in best ball, there's 18 rounds. And in the best ball tens where there's 18 rounds, you also have to have a defense. So that means you have to take at least two defenses. And in some cases, you're going to take three in the DraftKings version where there's no defense and an extra two rounds. That means your roster construction is going to be very different. Specifically in the best ball tens, you were having to choose at the onesie positions, quarterback, uh, tight end defense, you could only take three uh, players at two of those onesie positions. Now you're going to be able to take three at all three onesies if you so wish. Absolutely. Um, a little more depth. And I believe, and I, I believe very strongly that your best ball league is one in rounds 16 to 20. It's not going to be one in rounds one through and 
10. Yeah, and there's a second order effect, which means that there is in this type of a situation where you could easily take three quarterbacks, for example, there is no reason to ever go and take an early or mid-round quarterback. I mean, the, the obvious play here is to take three QBs from tier three or even lower. Because between the three, as long as you stay healthy, you should be able to put together, you know, a top 10 QB-ish season. So well, this, to me, this gets me completely off. Now you asked the key difference and we'll get into it, but that is just the right off the bat. The first thing that got me excited was, hey, I never have to think about taking a, a top tier quarterback in this format. 100%. So there are 12, there are 12 teams and, and, you know, we'll use that transition to get into the position groups and start with the simplest one for best ball format, which you just mentioned, which is the quarterback position, right? Everybody needs to understand going in, what is my strategy in this best ball league? Well, the first thing you need to do is wipe out the idea in your head of getting, uh, of paying up for Mahomes, of paying up for Lamar, paying up for Dak. There is a point where it might make sense to grab a quarterback like in a reasonably, uh, in a reasonably early round. But overall, the way I would approach it is like what you just said, with the understanding that at the quarterback position, because I can have three three um, quarterbacks cycling through, I'm much more uh, concerned about not taking zeros at positions or, or getting shitty scores than I am about putting up giant scores, especially at the quarterback position. But if you look at the late quarterbacks that go, if you look at like a Sam Darnold as an example, um, he might not score 35 points a week, but there will be five or six weeks where he gets you 25-ish points. And that's all you need. You need those few weeks. So we're going to cycle through quarterbacks. They're always putting up points. They never give you a zero. And if you have two, uh, if you have three of them, which is ideal, not everybody will get three in every league, by the way, because there simply aren't 36 starting quarterbacks in the NFL to go around. But if you get three of them, then you're in a great position to have at least one of them putting up around 20-ish points every single week. So you're basically locking in your quarterback position for 20 without spending a lot of draft capital on them. Um, is there a point, says, where it's worth grabbing a Dak Prescott in like round seven? No. Is no. there any point? No. I mean, uh, I mean, that's my first thought. And again, if Dak has another season like he did last year, you'd be happy you have him. But it just seems that the uh, opt and I don't want to say no. Of course, there's a point. There's some point where it goes, uh, I, Kyler Murray, it's round nine. I just, should I should I do it? Yeah, I mean, but he's I mean, he shouldn't be if he's available in round nine. Sure, you do it. But he's been going around like five or six. I mean, if his AD, any player whose ADP drops by, you know, four rounds in the top 10 rounds, of course, you're going to take that player. I don't even need to see his name on his jersey. Um the thing is that if you if you look at the tier you were just talking about, let's talk about guys that have. Let's just talk about the tier of, of quarterbacks that have job security but are the last to go. Sam, I mean, so for this part, we're not going to include Derek Carr, right? Because Derek Carr will have. Do we some, not think he has job security? Um, you sign an eight million dollar backup in Marcus Mariota. Um, Man, you know so that bad. that's a You're double. Right. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Okay. That's just a signal to me. It's almost like. Um, you know, uh, John Gruden uh, said is treating Derek Carr like uh, the girl you move in with, but you don't uh, you don't marry. You know, it's like, hey, just go the whole way with her. It's like, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to live with her. I'm going to pretend I'm married, but I'm always going to have like this little thing hanging over you. And now what that is, is the, uh, you know, an eight million dollar backup and a player that they like very much in Marcus Mariota in, in his pre-draft process. But um, getting back to what you said, uh, so I'm going to low I'm, my strategy is going to be. Uh, three QBs with job security. So Tannehill, Sam Darnold, Ben Roethlisberger, Kirk Cousins. Um, none of these guys that are going to, you know, in, in as one QB season long leagues that you're ever even going to think about drafting and, and starting as your QB one, maybe Roethlisberger, who knows. But in the aggregate, pairing these three together, you should be able to get a pop week each week from one of them. They've all the... That's, even that's, a, that's, even a Philip Rivers, you know, let, let's so because what we saw from Rivers last year, um, it, it just it, it looked bad. But yeah, I mean, if you if you're going further down, you know, I mean, I, I just don't think Rivers has like the job security everybody thinks he does because if he's like Eli Manning from the last three or four years, they have a rookie, they have Jacoby Brissett who's well liked in that locker room. I don't think he he's probably the last guy 
in the job. Like he he's that, that was that's where I was kind of looking at. Like last guy yeah. that you don't really want him. But yeah. the point the point that you're making, and I don't want to spend too much time on the quarterback position because what well, I want people key. to come out of this, I want them to come out with one bullet point. Don't waste your draft capital on early quarterbacks. You want to wait on the position. You do want to make sure you get three of them. So when the run starts to happen and, and it's really like the Sam Darnold spot, that's what, that's why I look at. It's about QB 30, 14, 15. When that run starts to happen, you do want to hammer them because you want to have a decent um, quarterback in there. So, you do want to hammer quarterback at some point. You don't want to wait until you're getting, you don't want like 19, 20 and 23. A, there's a good chance you won't get a couple of those guys if you wait too long. So you do want to get three and make sure you have three legitimate starters in there, but don't waste your draft capital on the quarterback position in best ball, but get three of them. All right, let's move on to, well, uh, uh, the next tie. And I want to do, we're going to move on to the running back position. Very important in best ball. And it's a different approach than in other sports. But I want to mention, says, and explain how I would use the DFS Army Draft Kit, our rankings, to help me with my best ball format. Because a lot of people say, hey, give me best ball rankings. But again, I always say this for every ranking system that we ever put together. What's critical is the positional ranking against the same position. Where you take a player are is decisions that you're going to make, um, that you can make on your own. But let's talk about how I can use the draft kit, and let's say our rankings to help me with my best ball format draft. Like, yeah, this is, this year, this year, it's uh, every individual draft is its own market. And what do I mean by that? In some drafts, in most drafts, the this 2020 running backs are getting shoved up to the top. Okay, so that means in in many drafts that bet um, uh, wide receivers that are better players then certain running backs are getting drafted below them. So there's second tier running backs getting drafted ahead of top tier wide receivers. So how can you use the draft kit is when you, when you download the DFS army draft kit in the rankings, you, you can either print out the rankings or have them on a separate screen and keep an eye on what your particular draft market is doing. And that's when you want to switch to the positional rankings. You don't want an overall rankings because let's say for example, um, you know, we have uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, ahead of Aaron Jones, okay? That's something that we would have in an overall ranking. But if you see the running backs getting gobbled up, you're going to need to attack running back or else you you risk you know getting shut out of that market in the best ball. And you can't pick up players on the waiver wire. So what I would suggest is having all your positional rankings from the DFS Army Draft Kit out on a screen or print it out right in front of you and keep track of what positional, uh, where the market in your particular draft is going and make sure you're staying ahead of those runs. And, you know, we've seen the running back market just, it's so inflated this year that, you know, I think 11 of the first 12 picks now by ADP are running backs in best ball. There we go. Now, let me, let me jump in a little more specific to running back and best ball format specifically. And I'm going to explain the difference between running back and wide receiver in a way that you guys will understand. And you'll then pick up philosophically why we hammer the running back position early. So in best ball leagues, just so you're aware, the running back position will get slammed early. Okay, now I don't know how it's going to work on DraftKings. It depends on the experience level of the people who are playing it. But the reason the running back position gets slammed early is because what you need at running back are players that are scoring for you each week. It's a high, it's a high um, uh, injury position, right? And more importantly, and more concerningly, there are much, much fewer number numbers of running backs that will put up any points on a given week compared to the wide receiver position, where again, every team has three wide receivers that are essentially starters, um, and so that works out to just a large number of players that are on the field they might be volatile but we don't care about volatility in best ball formats i don't we, care that we, cole we welcome it we, we welcome, welcome it. it yeah yeah i, I love mean, that cole beasley puts up 25 fantasy points twice a season because cool i can get you late enough that those two weeks you're going to really yeah. help me so so like you can get run wide receivers very very late in the draft i'm talking around 15 16 17 that are putting up some sort of points every single week 
at running the, back. You know, or the typical like Deshaun. Ja- I mean, Deshaun Jackson type of players. The guys that that, that have two or three pop weeks is you know those are I, useful guys because you never have to have that agonizing decision of do I start this guy or that guy. I would have said, um, you know, the the players that come to mind that are even more volatile like that, although they're to the end of their career and probably I wouldn't say them for this year, but like like the Ted Ginn Jr. or or um, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills. Well, Will Fuller is when he's healthy. Right. But like a Kenny Stills, he's out there. But all of a sudden he'll have like a big week. I don't think that's this year, but there are always players like that. And we're bringing them up to understand these are your late. Why does he Miko Hardman? Would Hardman be is great. Yeah. And still, and, and this year I'd put him in that list. So it's really different from running back where if I'm drafting, see, so here's what happens when you're doing your best ball. If you don't get enough running back talent early, then by rounds eight, nine, 10, now you're starting to reach for all these kind of scrubs that might not even play much. So in spots where there are actual like number one and number two wide receivers still available, you're grabbing like Chase Edmonds, you're grabbing you know, second of uh, uh, Tony Pollock, you grab backups that are not going to put up any points for you. So you're much, much better off having your running back position as set as possible, even to the expense of stud wide receivers. So it feels weird when like Chris Godwin is still available to be considering like Mark Ingram, but those I mean, are- it's not it's not that extreme, but yeah, but you know what it is? It is right. So just to give you your point is well taken. Yeah, your point I'm trying well to taken. give an extreme point. Well, the uh, okay, so an extreme one like where where Godwin is go. Uh, sorry, where um where Mark Ingram is going, he is. But you see, again, I think he's undervalued. He's the starting running back. But uh, you, you're trying to say like, where's the situation where you're taking a lesser um running back versus a better wide receiver? Is that really? Yeah, I mean, where where you're getting to the point where you're like, oh, shit, there's a stud wide receiver on the board. Allen Robinson's there. And yet here I am going to probably take Chris Carson instead. Or or That's a good example. There you go. Chris Carson's a good player, too. But but like, you you know, where you're like, dude, in a regular draft, I'd be fucking all over. Right. And here's another uh, Allen Robinson's spot. You get into that dead zone in like round four or five, and all of a sudden you're you're looking at running backs like David Johnson and, and David Montgomery, and you're passing on all of those wide receivers that everyone loves to break out this year. Shark, Ridley, McLaurin. I mean, I think that's the area. And this is exactly why you take your running backs early, because when you get to round late round three to, to the round five, you do not want to I mean, you're only gonna get one or two of those guys. McLaurin, Shark, uh, DK Metcalf. I mean, so you don't want to have to pivot over to David Johnson and David Montgomery because you went Chris Godwin or Tyreek Hill in the first or second round. So get those running backs early and you'll feast later on those wide receivers. All right. So a typical way that I, the other, the other spot that I do like to get a quality player if I can is, is tight end because it's a, it's a less volatile. Although I, I have to see how we do it this year, like how things roll. I haven't gotten a lot of high end tight ends this season, but it's a more vol it's a le- it's a more volatile position in the sense of like there are very few studs. So like if you can get a twenty points occasional tight end in your in your lineup, that's an advantage that I, I like to have. You've talked about this so many times, and you said the name of the game at tight end is just survival. I mean, and again, it does that doesn't mean like a Jason Witten getting you three points because that's basically the same as a zero. I mean, it's talking about picking two or three tight ends that are in the top fifteen because usually tight end eight through fifteen is kind of the same. They're spread by you know just a handful of yards. Getting a top six tight end is a huge advantage. I mean, those those are usually the top six guys are the ones that are the difference making. You know, that's usually like where the Austin Hooper, a healthy Evan Ingram, and and Zach Ertz, where those guys live. Once you get into tight end, you know, seven through fifteen, you're talking about the guys that gave you the six catches for for sixty yards, more or less, before it, it just falls off a cliff. Uh, Henry, uh, who's the guy from Hunter Henry? Hunter Henry has been the cause of many a zero on a best ball team for me. So, yeah. So the tight end position and we jumped over from running back to tight. I want to go back to running back, but the tight end position is definitely a high injury position. And, and I've had so many occasions where I'm getting zeros at tight end in leagues where I improperly drafted the position group that it's really, really important to get a bunch of them. Yeah. Now you did, you were just talking about running back. I have a running back question for you since this is, you know, mostly relevant to the day of recording here. We're recording in August 8th. 
Uh, now that, uh, you know, we're talking about the first round and running backs. Um, where are you standing on the Clyde Edwards Hilaire situation now that Damian Williams has opted out? And, you know, I, I jokingly sent out a tweet saying now that uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the greatest player ever to play fantasy football. And he's basically shoved Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry either way. He is eighth overall in ADP. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, do you think it's worth it? My, well, I'll give you my answer, and then I want to hear your take on it. My answer was, no, it's not worth it, but that's the price. You know, sometimes you pay for things in a store that aren't worth it, but when you want them, you pay. There's certain cars that you know are not worth it, but you'll pay more money because you just want the car. So if you want Clyde Edward Hilaire, that's the price. Are you in on him? Is it like the eighth overall pick? No, I'm not taking him so uh, listen, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to critique it though. I understand right, that's the it. price. I mean, that's the price. Yeah. That's it. I, I, I'm not going to, it's not who I'm taking there. And my reasoning is because I've noticed over time that rookie, the, the ability of a rookie running back to hold up in the NFL is never secure. We don't know for sure. These guys sometimes just are not used to the physicality. They, they get injured. Um, they could potentially get hurt a little bit quicker. They could come out there and not be able to block, and and all of a sudden they really can't get on the field as much. So, no, I, I don't think that for me. I, I understand the upside in the Chiefs' offense. I fully get why people want to take him there. Yeah, Brian Westbrook comparison. You give me that, I got the fucking chub. Yeah, but I meanwhile, the chub. But, the, joke, but the, the joke I keep making when everyone's like, yeah, but he said Brian Westbrook. You know, the coach uh, compared uh, Edward Tiller to – I said – uh, Brian Westbrook had nine catches his rookie season. Yeah, and, and that's what it is. So so that team has other running backs on there. I don't know who's great. Um, you know, we could talk about Bryce Love and, and uh, you know, in the Washington football team situation. But I don't want to get too deep into actual player situations because there's a lot of best ball strategy I just want to focus on here. And looking at the running back position, I want to come out, and tell me if this is you, I want to come out of the first five rounds with at least – three running backs, ideally all starters. And in my perfect world, if I don't mind stretching, I might get four running backs in the first five rounds and in either a wide receiver, like a, like a, like one of these second year stud wide receivers well, or if, a studly tight end five rounds done. I've got tight end and, and running back or one, one wide receiver, nothing else. That's exactly what, what I've been doing. And uh, just so, you know, if you take four running backs in the first five rounds, the, the wide receivers you're looking at now, I know you don't like Cortland Sutton, but that's kind of where your your, your first wide receiver is going to be. And in a best ball format, you're good with that. You know, best that, ball, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that style of player. There's other players, too. Whenever Sutton's there, you usually have Terry McLaurin and, and some other names that are right. floating around. Right. So you take whoever you like. But I'm very comfortable. And this is not – see, this is counterintuitive. Your season-long draft – the reason I'm, I'm emphasizing this point – and then we're going to get into how important it's going to be to handcuff this year with the Rona and all that shit. I think it's, I think there's a good, good that they added the two roster spots, but, um, all right. That's probably why it, I didn't think your, that. your standard season long drafter is not comfortable coming out with more players at a position group than what he can start. Usually you'll see the three, you know, you've got two running back and a flex and you're like, all right, dude, I got to take fucking players who are scoring for me, but that's just not how I approach it. Secondarily, the reason being, because I can load up on wide receivers late. And I'm talking about I will have more, a lot, a higher volume of wide receivers. How many I wide do. receivers we, is optimal uh, to take in a 20-round draft? Eight or nine. Yeah. See, yeah. this is the difference. I need three players scoring for me from this position group. I can put nine on my roster. Sometimes and four. Four players scoring because it's flex. As many as possible, but you can get nine on your roster. Uh, actually, let me do some math because I haven't completed the DraftKings slow draft. I have not completed one yet. I'm in the middle of them. It's going to take multiple weeks, I think, to complete even even one on the slow format. But, um, you know, if you've got 20 spots and you've got three quarterbacks, three tight ends, you know, that's that's six. That's six. You've got, you've got five running I'm, backs. Wait, sorry, how many? How many tight ends? So you got three and three, three. on. So you got three. three and three. That's six. So that means that there's so twenty minus six is fourteen. Okay. So let's yeah, just now say you've got now you've got there you go. You got fourteen to give. You could go nine 
nine wide receiver, five running back. I think you got to go eight, six, eight, six seems like the the sweet spot. I mean, obviously this is going to shift depending on context. And if you are someone who drafts Pat Mahomes, you probably aren't going to take a second QB. So then you have that extra wide receiver. I guess that's the case for taking an early QB. So you can have an extra wide receiver. That makes sense. Got to make this point. That's right. That's a great point. What you just said. And I forgot the more studliness you have at a position group at a onesie back, at a onesie. Yeah, at a onesie position group the less backup you need so if you have if you wind up with Travis Kelsey i still need backups because he could get hurt but like it's very unlikely that you know um Blake Jarwin is going to outscore uh Kelsey uh, most weeks so you might might only need to like at quarterback if i've gotten um Pat Mahomes i might just say you know what yolo that might be the guy that I only right. get two of that position for because right. I, Hey, I got Mahomes. you know, he's the worst case scenario. Give me a 20. He's got a bye week. I'll you pair know, we're doing Haskins at the end and fine. I'll just, you know, I'll live and die with my wide receiver. Okay. All right. That, you know, that, again, it, now if you take Mahomes and then you also reach for Kyler Murray, that's when you're actually fucking over your team. You will not win using that technique. Like I see it, it so many times too. I see yeah. someone take two QBs of the uh, two of the first, like eight QBs. No, no. When, when they do that, they don't win these leagues. That that's how you don't win. Um. So so bring it back to the wide receiver position from running back. So at running back, we want to get. Let's say I only get three. Here's the here's the critical part. If I only get three out of five running backs in the first five picks, now I'm taking a hyper focus, not just a regular focus, a hyper focus on making sure I have the specific handcuffs. So if I wound up with Drake and I wound up with Dalvin Cook. And I wind up with let's hard, say hard to do like hard to do those like you're talking about. Oh, you're talking about like either of those. You, it's hard to get those guys together because it doesn't matter. I, I can't do it in my head right now, right. where I could figure out where. Actually, no. The, the, Drake in my first draft, the, his he went late in the second round, and Austin Eckler very late in the second round. I'm telling you, DraftKings is very soft, guys. They're fucking it up. Right. Like I'm in a draft right now where I picked fifth. And I'm going to pick up um, Austin Eckler on the comeback. So I've got K- Kamara and Eckler in my first two picks. That should it, never happen. It's never. For, it's, it's PPR, right? Full PPR. Full PPR with a yeah. bonus for 100 yards. Trust me, this this tells me the softness of this league. And yeah. No. Kenyon and Drake by the way, one pick before Kenyon Drake and Austin Eckler, two of our favorite players that we've been touting, you know, in the whole offseason. I know there's some people that love those two guys, some people that hate those two guys, but our love for them is PPR driven. So if you're in any format and DraftKings is full PPR, but if you're in any format, which is half PPR, like if you're playing underdog fantasy, they're half PPR Drake and Austin Eckler are basically out of our first round. So that's where, you know, the Nick Chubbs, Derek Henry's make more sense. So just be clear on that. And I know this is a DraftKings focused podcast, but you and I are in on Drake and Eckler as late first round picks, correct? First, first round picks. Uh, yeah. Actually, matter of fact, that's uh, you know I could I make an argument I would take them ahead of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So oh, I mean uh, for me guaranteed. Yes. Okay. So just to be clear, but what what I'm saying is, if I'm only going to get three, and this is this is the critical difference, you can do three in the first five. Those are going to be three starters. Those are going to be three players producing in your lineup every single week. I want my production to come from my running back position, or I want to make sure I have two producing because I'm going to load up on enough wide receivers to make up for it in just volume of players. But if you only do three, you absolutely must handcuff them. Zeke has to be handcuffed with Pollard. When See, I agree. High level handcuff. You must get the backup, especially with the Rona. See, I agree with the Pollard handcuff because I think that he'll have some standalone value too. I mean, they've already said they want to get him involved in the passing game. I mean, you know, I don't know how much, like before the, the CD lamb pick, I liked it a little bit more, but certainly yeah. as a handcuff, but the other handcuffs that everyone, you know, even we were pretty high on Madison. I'm not so sure that if Dalvin cook missed time that, I mean, Alexander Madison would be useful, but what we saw last year uh, is, is someone like Mike Boone comes in and, and, and perform. So, and even with chase Edmonds, he had a couple good games. Um, uh, but are we convinced that chase Edmonds would be like the guy? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, there's certainly worth a shot, but I, I, this is where you and I differ a little bit is that I agree. Handcuffs are going to be useful, but I'm not reaching for my own handcuffs. I'm actually comfortable getting 
other people's handcuffs. So, for example, if I have Drake and my and that the clear handcuff is is um is Edmonds, I'm not necessarily going to reach into the seventh round to get him. But if a handcuff to someone else's player falls to me, if uh you know if you d- depending on who you identify as the uh, handcuff for the Steeler for James Conner, I'll take that guy if I'm not going to force the pick. Uh, and I get and again, I'm not sure that I'm right. You're wrong. You're wrong. No, no, right. I, I want to be. How, I'm not forcing be, the cuffs. That's I, I also I want to be clear on my philosophy. I I don't. What my preference is is to have four or five playable guys early, to the point where I don't need to take handcuffs. And, and I'm going to tell you why. So the the handcuff is, hey, I, I I didn't do this. I only took three. Took a bunch of wide receivers. Now I got some wide receiver. Now I need to make sure that I don't get zeros. I don't like that approach. My preferred approach is. My problem with taking a handcuff or a lot of them is they they don't score week to week. And in best ball, I want every single player, as many players as possible on my team, putting up points every single week. So my preference is get four actual starting running backs and then not have to worry about taking the these secondary guys um, Later, these guys that will get zeros most weeks, unless like the Mike Boons. I don't want to take Mike Boone. You know who I want to take? I want to take the the number two wide receiver from some team that no one likes. That you know, I want to take Bashard Perriman over that. Why? Yeah, because Bashard Perriman is going to put up points most weeks. He'll get you something. He'll get you better than zero. By the way, and, you you just hit on interesting guy, and I and, you know we won't tangent too much into player analysis, but why does everyone love Devontae Parker and hate Brashad Perriman? To me, they seem like they're in the exact same situation. Like Devontae Parker goes in around six or seven, and Brashad Perriman goes in the double digit rounds. They're both like six, uh, six year. They both were disappointing and then broke out last year. Now, uh, and and presumably Brashad Perriman has the better QB. I mean, by the time that Devontae Parker, you know, he's going to have Tua, and I'm sure he'll have Fitzpatrick, and, you know, that, that's I mean, good. Fitzpatrick but, um, and Tua, dude. I mean, that's why. Tua is not going to start. It's going to be Fitzpatrick. I, 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 I don't know about Perriman. that. I don't I know about Parker I, much more than Perriman. I don't know about that. If Tua is healthy in camp, like, why wouldn't you just start right away just to see what you got? They're not trying to compete, so. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. My kids are learning online Zoom education, and it's fucking shit, okay? These guys have not even met each other yet in person and it's freaking August uh, 8th as we speak today. And, and literally there was a blurb out that where like the quarterback coach hasn't met to it yet. So uh, except for virtual meetings, there's no way yeah. that you can get ready to play NFL football in like three weeks of practice. Never met these guys right, before. So- let me That's ask you why. something. All right. Look at, look at the jets. For example, they're, they're in year. What? This is year four of Donald's coming up. Yeah. Right. Is it year three, year four? Tier four, this year is, three. This is uh, year three of Darnold. Right. Okay. Uh, let's say. Year let's two say. Of look. So far, and and the Jets basically are in a punt year again because uh, they've they've got rid of their the defensive players and the the offensive line. Hopefully, is rebuilt. But now, what if Darnold isn't good this year? It's like wasting a quarterback year. I don't think you could have if you're the Dolphins and you're looking to compete in the next year or two. You cannot waste one snap not having Tua because what it doesn't matter if he's not ready. You just put him out there. I mean, Tua, you you thought this guy was the top QB rated QB, and unless he's completely lost, which by all accounts he's one of the smartest QBs out there, study hard, knows the playbook, he can like literally learn it in two seconds. Why would you waste one snap not finding out if this is your quarterback of the future? It just makes no sense Listen, to do it the other way. Not the topic of this. Of this podcast, well, but you know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how ready yeah. he is if he's ready to, to play NFL football. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, sure. getting back to it, so running back positions so critical. You're gonna go two potential strategies. My favorite again is I don't want to waste late picks on on players that don't play all the time. I want to use them early and I will pass up stud wide receivers because. I can load up on quality quantity over quality at the wide receiver position. So now I want you to break me through where do you initially start to reach for wide receivers as we're looking at the wide receiver position. We've got our running back. We've got four out of five. Now uh, four out of our five first picks are running backs. We feel pretty good that those guys will score for us. Now we're at two. We're, we're over to wide receiver. Where are you starting? Where's your first pick? Are you comfortable like fourth round? And who do you like there? And and give me an idea of how you approach the wide receiver position for best ball. 
Yeah, I think you you hit on it pretty good. My first three picks in most best ball drafts, unless there's an extreme value fall, are going to be running back. So round four would likely be the earliest. And, you know, in in some cases, like I'm in a best ball now where I was even able to get Leonard Fournette. I mean, I don't love him, but as my fourth running back. So he fell all the way to the end of oh, the fourth round. I love that. I scoop him up, gobble him up like a freaking yeah. now, peach cobbler with with up with warm peach cobbler with ala mode ice cream. Eat right. it up. Nice. I mean, that, that's, but here's the problem again with Leonard Fournette. And I'll, I'll get back to your question about when do I'm attacking the wide wait, receiver. Wait, wait, wait. I use the peach cobbler analogy because he's from a Southern team. And I feel like that's I what like. they eat in the South. It was very apropos. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just, um, I wanted to make sure that was understood that that was fully thought through. Including yeah, no, the dessert, it, it uh, sounded like, like that scene in uh, Silence of the Lambs, the, yes, father, yes. the father beans. Definitely fava bean style, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette, I, I, I've told you this on another podcast, and we can get into it another time, but I, I think there's real benching risk there. Um, like, like not just, you know, performance risk, and or tra- he may not be on the team in the beginning of week one. Who knows? You know, it's anyway, for fourth round, I'm in. So I'm attacking wide receivers on the four or five turn. And then I'm, I'm trying, I'm probably, and sometimes it's so hard to resist the six round tight end. Um, you know, it, it, that Darren Waller falls occasionally, um, you know, Evan Ingram sitting there sometimes I know he's an injury risk, but he's sitting there. So I'll usually hit it up after I have three locked in running backs, sometimes four. So I can't say I'm going round four, five, six, seven, all wide receiver, but I'm certainly going between rounds four and nine. I'm I'm definitely taking four wide receivers and probably a tight end. It's so hard for me to resist Tyler Higby. It's so hard for I, me to resist Darren Waller. It's it's almost impossible. And and I know I'll get more tight ends later. I absolutely almost always feel the need and almost always do wind up getting again at least one premium tight end at least one guy that we think will get consistent quality scores for us tight end position is where these leagues are won or lost a lot of the time like it's shocking but that is the difference maker your opponent who waited on tight end and then got one guy who then wound up injured he's getting zeros he's getting twos or threes so your tight end position is so critical and it really, really does make a difference if you get a guy who can get you the occasional 20. Yeah. And remember, if you if you do go two tight ends, it's not like um, the quarterback where only one will get inserted to your lineup. If you have George Kittle and Tyler Higby, right, one of those guys can be inserted into your flex in best ball. So don't be afraid. When I talk about round four through nine, that's where I'm taking my wide receivers. I say round four through nine is where I'm taking my pass catchers. Yeah. You could get any guys. And the beauty of the pass, and again, with the wide receiver position, the reason, it's funny, wide receivers score the most fantasy points on a week-to-week basis. There's no position that scores, is high more likely to put up a 30 than a wide receiver, but they're also more volatile. I can get Julio Jones. He's got me 12 points one week, 35 the next week. They're all over the place. Now, great, love that guy in best ball, but I can also grab the aforementioned Bashard Paramount in round 13 and he gets me three uh games of 25 fantasy points or someone like uh jay crowder i'm going all jets uh uh i don't know why how about how about my favorite guy one of my favorite guys late that no one likes is randall cobb and randall cobb is exactly the type of player that will have three weeks where he puts up 20 plus points. you can never roster him because you never know when those weeks are coming but he will give you big weeks, and no one wants him. That is the ultimate best ball guy. What do you think of Randall Cobb? Oh, I'm with you. I'm I'm very much with you on Randall Cobb. I mean, you know, let, let's think about this. So, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was traded, right, on, on Houston. So that means Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, who was also brought in, both guys who – Let's face it. Have had, guys. Yeah, both have had trouble playing 16, right? Um, and Randall Cobb's going to start in the slot. And Deshaun Watson's going to need a reliable over-the-middle target. Randall Cobb, though he's not peak Randall Cobb, where he was on the Green Bay and 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 putting up 1,000-yard seasons with double-digit touchdowns, he still showed he was competent last year on Dallas. I mean, I think he had close to 800 yards. He was certainly, uh, you know, was targeted a lot. So, uh, you know, you can, especially as where he's being drafted in like the 14th round, uh, I think he provides the. You were always looking for ceiling and volatile players, but you do want to cushion that with some floor guys. 
I don't see any reason why Randall Cobb can't be one of the uh, the fantasy surprises. And in, in leagues where you need to start three receivers and a flex PPR format, Randall Cobb, just because he's a boring pick, is one of those players. I think you're right to identify him. In fact, I'm, I'm scribbling him down. Uh, I'm going to add him to the DFS Army draft kit sleeper section because he deserves to be there. He absolutely deserves to. Randall Cobb is everything that we hoped Kiki could, Kuti could be to the point where... I will be playing the Kiki song for Randall Cobb this year. Kiki's gone. I need the song. I got to have it. I'm, I'm applying it to Randall Cobb on Randall Cobb Weeks. We're going to see. Uh, so I love Randall Cobb. But uh, but again, this brings me back to the fact that I can get a starting wide receiver from a high-octane offense on okay. a basketball team in round 14. You know what running back? You know what? You know what running back? You're looking at a round 14 in that shit? You're looking at names that you never heard of, like like uh, like Quadre Olison. Like, who the fuck is Quadre Olison? When Randall Cobb is on the board, I could take an actual starter. This is what happens: the guys who wait on running backs start chasing these crazy names, the Edo Smiths of the world. Keep them. You can have him. I'll take yeah. Randall Cobb late. Now let's talk about on well, that. Hold on, hold on. Oh, okay, I was just going to add something to what you just said. Go there. ahead, man. Give me yeah. a fucking rant. Yeah, because <laughs> what you said was you're talking about high upside receivers on high octane offenses that are going in the double digit rounds. Now, Sammy Watkins is a player that I never like to draft. But if I told you, if I took the name off the jersey and said you could have the starting wide receiver in the Kansas City Chiefs Patrick Mahomes offense, I don't understand why Sammy Watkins is going in the 12th round. I mean, it's not like you have to project him or he's an older guy. He's in a contract year. He actually took a pay cut to go to stay with the Chiefs. And let's go back to week one last year with a healthy Patrick Mahomes. He had nine catches for almost 200 yards and three touchdowns. Like the upside is there. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but he's like an, he should be, someone asked me in the chat before who who's a player you're not leaving any draft without. And I wrote Will Fuller as I do in every. Yeah, you know? I have him in all <laughs> but, my, yeah. Right. But Sammy was, Watkins, was, by the way, it was Darius Geis for me up till yesterday. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Oops. But do you, I mean, I don't like Sammy Watkins, and I think he's disappointed as a fantasy player ever since he's been in the league for, you know, relative to expectations. But do you agree that in the double digit rounds, the starting wide receiver in Patrick Mahomes offense has to be on your team? It's ridiculous. It's it's silly. So you agree. You These agree. are the names. He's on all of my teams. Yeah. All of my and in my best ball and in my best ball dynasty. He's on everything. Do you recommend reaching up to the ninth round to take him? I mean, you'll you'll beat the crowd by like two rounds, but just no. It, I mean, not, try to get. I like to get my bargains, but you yeah, know. But I think that's one that's going to be a bargain even in the ninth round. I, I'm my new my strategy on you talk about DraftKings best ball, um, where you have where there's an overall component. Uh, he's a he's a play for win. Like it, we could be looking back at the end of this year and saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe in his sixth year it finally all came together." We said that about Devontae Parker. No, no, about- no. I'm not counting on that. I'm, I'm not counting on it. Yeah, but in the ninth yeah, round, I don't need to count on it. I'm just saying is that it's actually one of his outcomes, Sammy Watkins, where most of the guys in the ninth and tenth round, it's not even like you're you're like Randall Cobb, for example. Okay, we just want a guy that can make sure we're not getting a zero. That's not that's like just to balance out our other upside. But if you've missed out on some upside or you just want to step on the gas in basketball in an overall contest where you could was it how much is the overall prize geek in drafting? I mean there are two hundred fifty K, there's a okay, million so, dollar prize pool. The the these I'm are just giant saying, prize pools. Get yeah. Sammy Watkins, and I think that because if you get in third place or eighth place or in your league, it's the same as getting twelfth place. So I, I mean, it, it, we this is why we talk this stuff through because we need to identify the guys that could literally be the home run picks. And Sammy Watkins, even though we've never liked him as far as for fantasy, we think he's disappointed. Uh, it, it's I've opened my eyes to him lately, and he's someone that I'm collecting in every draft, and I'm willing to reach two, three rounds at that point to get him. I want. I mean, what's crazy is you probably have me call Hardman going before Sammy Watkins, yes. but which is that's that's where the crazy comes from. And he's not but, even starting. No, no. Well, that's what it is. Mikael Hardman could have two good two good games this year. He might start and have a lot of good games. He has a lot of upside there. I think we know what we're getting from Sammy Watkins, but that includes. I, I don't think Sammy Watkins is going to make a transformation. As a matter of fact. The reason we don't think it is because there were multiple games with no Tyreek Hill last season where Watkins just didn't do anything. So I don't think he's making a transformation, but the same version of Sammy Watkins we got last season with three incredible games is already enough to pay off for his his right. uh, draft capital. 
And there's no science, scientific information to link contract year to production. I know that's a, a, f- a fun, popular narrative, but you have to think Sammy Watkins took a pay cut to stay with the team. He's probably, you know, he's probably motivated yeah. that he's on a one year deal. Hey, he's, he's probably let's, he, let's, let's stay do- on this topic, but drop um, the specific. Pl- let's okay. let's stay on this topic and talk about. Because we've we've gone through all the position groups, guys. You have the format. It's the early running backs. It's make sure you get a premium enough tight end somewhere in those first five to seven rounds. It's then, okay to fade premium QB. It's okay. Wait on your quarterback very far and then load up on wide receivers, especially ones with high upside, to the point where you have, uh, on the DraftKings format, eight or nine wide receivers on your team. Uh, you have five or six running backs on your team, three quarterback three tight end, good to go. Now, let's talk about some of these players because we can now get into a little bit of specific players that we can grab late. And we've talked about a few of them. Um, I have another thought, but players that we can grab late in our best ball drafts that have the potential, because I believe your best ball team is absolutely one in rounds you know, 14 through 20. You need production. Last season, for example, I was able to get A.J. Brown with the last pick in a lot, the last pick and by the way Marquise Brown was available as well a lot of times I was getting Marquise and AJ Brown boom last two picks yes why I fucking cashed 17 to 21 best ball leagues last year made it into the big tournaments in in quite a few of them didn't didn't win the tournament admittedly but made it into these big tournaments was because I was taking AJ Brown late because oh. I was taking Marquise Brown late so I think Who are okay. these guys this year so I think okay let's let's uh first categorize them into a type and I think if you start with the running backs, like so we're basically talking about 20th round running backs or 18th round running backs, right? Or 18th round whoever's. Okay. So if you're talking about running backs, what you what I would do is target, look at the depth chart and identify the pass catching running backs with that have a clear path to. So for example, you talked about Chase Edmonds. You're not getting him in those rounds. So who's the next guy? Rookie Eno Benjamin. That's a player from running back perspective that in a COVID world could easily end up giving you four pop weeks if he if he's ends up into a, a prominent role. So I would look at the depth charts and where's Ryquel Armstead going? Uh, he, the people are wising up to him, but you said it's a little softer. He's going in like the 12th round. That is a great pick. I love Reichwell Armstead. I think that I'm convinced, not, not, I think that I'm convinced they're going to give him an early chance because there's no chance Leonard Fournette's going to be on that team next year. So what they want to do is they want to see if, if they have something with the Armstead or do they need to take running back next year? So I think that's a great pick. Uh, I love Fournette for the reason of Reichwell. You can double down and just make sure you've got it covered. Easy handcuff. Uh, and then a little bit further down the, if you want a 20th round running back, even further down the depth chart, Divino Zigbo, who's on the third running back uh, on that team. So I don't know how in the weeds you want to get. So names like like that. I think when you talk about the receivers, uh, you, you want to get in and you're looking you're looking mostly at the rookie receivers who could be A.J. Brown this year. And I think that players that are going that late are the Brandon Ayukes. Uh Now he's going to have a good opportunity with Debo Samuel out. If you're looking. How, at- how about my boy? Um. Brian Edwards, Braylon Edwards, Brian, Brian Edwards. You have it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can basically get him in the last round. Now his path to relevancy is a little more blocked because though Tyrell Williams, we don't like him for fantasy. He he's locked into that job. He's mostly going to be there. He's it's not like he's Julio Jones. It could just, he's, he's guaranteed a job until week eight, but you know, he's going to be the starter and he's going to have to Tyrell Williams would have to do something really bad over the course of a month in order to be benched. So that that's the kind of name though. He's a second round draft. So he, or uh, third third round, round, wherever, wherever, but he was supposed to be taken out, whatever the reason was he's, he's got the draft. This was AJ Brown last year. The the same argument was made that said like, eh, he's got someone ahead of him. He's a rookie. He's got fucking Marcus Mariota. Mariota sucks, you know, and no one wanted it. And all of a sudden it's Ryan Tannehill to AJ Brown for the, for all the money. I I don't. Yeah. And and again, that that's a, that's a smart analysis. And I like the pick. I think also some of the sophomore guys that disappointed last year make great. Love love that group. The Andy Isabella's, the JJ Arcega Whiteside, who I still love. I've gotten him, I would say, in about 50% of my best balls, he's my last round pick. Now, everyone is written him off saying, oh, he didn't look good last year. But let's think back to DJ Shark's rookie year. It didn't look good. And then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, DJ Shark shot up the rank. He saved people's best. In, in many best ball drafts, sorry, in many season long drafts where I took Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham early on, DJ Shark was my waiver wire savior. So 
Um, I think looking at the sophomores, Paris Campbell, uh, those type of players, even Hakeem Butler, who, who missed his whole rookie season in Arizona, maybe that you want to throw a dart over that way. If uh, there's some, some COVID issues or if, you know, in Arizona. So I think that's, that's what you do. You want to look at the high upside rookies and the disappointing side. How, how about my boy Kendrick Bourne with uh Debo starting slow uh, or maybe not being available right off the bat. Oh, Jalen Hurd, I think is the, probably the better um, bet for, for fantasy. Um, you know, Bourne people love Kendrick Bourne. I don't know why it's, yeah, he scored for me in DFS a couple of times. Yeah, like it really, I just have fond memories you know, of him it, winning me some, DFS tournament. There are, there are, you're not alone geek. You're not alone. There are people that really like him. I just liked what I saw out of heard in the preseason. He, you know, he's a six foot four wide receiver that plays a slot. And in college he played running back. I mean, can you imagine a six foot four guy playing running back? Uh, it just, so we didn't get to see Jalen Hurd in the regular season after a preseason injury. So, uh, you know, Jalen Hurd could be one of these like 600 yard, but like nine touchdown players. Um, so, I, I yeah, love it, I love the depth of that sleeper because I didn't even think about Jalen. So that's the encyclopedia footballica himself breaking <laughs> out fucking names from last year preseason that we all forgot about. I love it. Um, but let's talk about some other names at the wide receiver. Again, late round wide receivers are going to be what wins you your league if you hit the right ones in best. All right. Role. I'll give you my favorite one who I've done a couple of videos on already is Steve Sims Jr. Steve Sims on the Washington football team. Uh, Geek, one of our favorite strategies is to look at the players who finished the previous year strong that may not have had a lot of buzz. Steve Sims finished the finished the year with like seven and a half targets per game go over the last month, scored three touchdowns in four games or something close to that. And again, he's not an athletic dynamic player, but now that Kelvin Harmon is out for the year, you have Terry McLaurin is going to be the target hog, but Steve Sims is going to man the slot. And I think that he could end up being an 80 catch player that you get in the 15th round. So th there's a younger Randall Cobb with a little bit more upside in my opinion. Anyone that you like? Hey, um, I'm going to name a player. He's a little bit obscure. Okay. That I think is going to have relevance regardless, but can come to significant relevance. If, if a couple not unlikely things happen, that's, I believe the name is Russell Gage. Yeah. Um, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. He's going to be in the size of Russell. Is that his first? Yeah, name? no, it's Russell Gage. Now here, here's my, here's my issue with Russell Gage. Okay. Uh, again, I think it's a good pick and there's a lot and in, Russell Gage. Well, is a, my, a good, my, the, the Gage pick, my assumption here, this is a Julio or Calvin get hurt slash Rona pick more than anything okay. else where Gage would need to come into prominence. I don't think he's going to get you big weeks. I think he's, he's a, a six to That's nine fair. point guy, but I don't mind taking that guy. Like one of those late picks. Yeah. If there's and no yes. one around, no one I mean, wants him. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying like, Hey, grab him in round 12. He's and he was good last 30. year. He, he was, was good. Yeah. He got you 20 points in a PPR format. There were games where he got he could have gotten you 20 fantasy points. He got seven or eight receptions. So, again, this is a play on Julio. I, I'm nervous about Julio's health. He is a guy who's always on the injury report, and he's another year older. We saw this with Calvin Johnson late in his career where he was always on the injury but always played to all of a sudden. I mean, the, the hill drop was yeah. like nothing you've ever seen. I've never seen you know, anybody fall off the cliff outside of a Des Bryant that quickly. You know, it's funny, though, like everyone says, you know, like we're waiting for Julio to fall off the cliff, you know, because and they're basically and he, yeah, he keeps producing I and now he keeps producing like it just and I know after every hit, it looks like he gets up. But I just I just feel like Julio might end up being the exception to the rule. It's based on nothing other than observation. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he anyone's one injury or one coronavirus uh, positive test away from being out for three games. And I think Russell Gage is a perfectly good. Um, and, and you know what, because if one of those guys that the, the, the passing tree is small there, so they don't spread it all around a lot. They usually concentrate on two or three targets. So yeah, Russell Gage, I mean, Laquan, Laquan Treadwell is there and I know he's been a colossal bust for fantasy. So again, if you're in your, one of these 30 round, uh, best ball drafts or uh, no, not no Laquan, no, no, yeah, Laquan. I mean, you know, no. you can go. Russell I don't Gage care. Is a good one. I don't care if they all get the Corona and Laquan is the only wide receiver they have outside. They throw two offensive linemen and. And Laquan treadmill at the wide receiver treadmill. Laquan <laughs> fucking treadmill. That dude needs to get on the treadmill. Hey, so I'm I'm on the clock right now in a best ball drift. Want to make a pick with me live on the air? Yeah, let's do it, man. Best ball. Right. Tell me about the team. Where's okay. the team at right now? 
So we're in the one, two, three, four, five, six. We're in the seventh round. And seventh I have, round. I have two of the next four picks. I'm on the eleven, you know, I'm I'm the eleven spot. Okay. Okay. So this is exactly this is what Who's I did. Who's on I, your team? Let's let's give an example of what right. a best ball team looks like seven rounds in. Hopefully okay. if you've done it the right way, although it's not my team, so I can't say for sure. Yeah, we'll so we'll find okay. out. So I remember, so we started at pick eleven. So I will a, judge you harshly. Yeah, please do. So on the one two turn, eleven and fourteen, I got Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb. Okay. okay. All right. Then at the end of round three, somebody that I usually take in round two fell to me in Melvin Gordon. I have Love three it. running backs. Uh, obsessed with him. Yep. Obsessed with him. Yep. Then okay. on the round four turn, I told you this earlier, I Leonard Fournette came to me. An insanely great start. Yeah. Four all right. Let's let's slow it down. Four starting running backs in the first four picks, including passing up on very sexy, very attractive, bikini-wearing thong, so so nice. Actually, uh, you know what? I'm not going to use those uh, uh, You know, with the current environment. But sexy, sexy wide receivers passed up on to take Fournette and Melvin Gordon there when names that you're attracted to were still on the board. No, I took Fournette. Great start. So there's Cortland Sutton. You know, I don't love Cortland Sutton, but he's perfectly fine. I would have probably personally went a different way. That's just well, my that's my personal shit. You don't okay. have to do it like me. That's so my then, personal shit. Right. So I plan on taking two yeah. receivers there on the five, six. Hit. So did I see a tight end? Did I see a yeah, tight end yeah, in there? Yeah. So uh, fast Waller, I, fast yeah. Waller on there. Okay. And again, I, I I'm not a Darren Waller guy, but you know, I I wanted. I don't have. I've done about maybe 25 best balls this season, and I had no Waller, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to be left out. He th- this was one of those drafts where I was like, I'm just going to get a Waller share. So now, okay. So now I have my four runners. I got Cortland Sutton and I got Darren Waller. So basically, I'm in a wide receiver spot. Would you agree with that? Um, it depends. Who's now? Um, what quarterbacks are on the board? I just want to know. I like I'm to not know every going quarterback, group. no matter what. No matter but, what. But I'm just well, curious. Oh, actually, off the you know what? We're in round. We're in round seven. It's Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, and then it. You know, then there is still in. all right. So this is this is important, right? I'm glad that I'm glad that you just brought that up. There are points. Listen, there are stud wide quarterbacks left. It is not out of the question to take one here. I know we said wait, but we waited. And now you've got at least two studs on the board, one being Deshaun Watson and the other one, in my opinion, being Josh Allen. Let's hear what else is available. So what's going on at running back? At running back, I'm ignoring right now because I have my four, but just I just want to know. know. I just want to know. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm gonna, not going to count Darius Geis since he's scratched off. But basically, the next best four running backs, is that a good way to be? Uh, would be yeah. Mar- Marlon Mack, Kerryon Johnson, Bad. Matt Breida. Bad. And then you're looking at, yeah, you're looking at Bad. all the high-end cuffs. Bad. So. Okay, we don't want that. We don't want that. Which is We're why you see about- to draft. <laughs> Yeah, we don't like that. So this is what you're already round seven. There is nothing going on. Too bad somebody didn't sucker take guys before that news came out. But what are you going to do? So, all right, let's move over to tight end. What's going on at tight end right now? Yeah, we're in we're in the tight end eight area. So we're Hunter Henry, Gronk, Jared Cook, Hayden Hurst. And remember, I already have Waller. So I don't want this group. Yeah, Yeah, I don't want this group. All right. Now let's jump over. So wide receiver. Now, why did we just look at all the other positions? I just want to know. I don't want to make a decision without getting a sense of what's going on. I have a smidge of thought that maybe quarterback is doable in this spot. I don't doable, really think so. But doable. Tyler Boyd still on the bar, board. So here's the receiver group that's on give the board. The, Remember, give me the wide receiver group. Yeah, let's go. Give me the top 10 guys. I'll get, I'll get, okay. I'm going to give you the top. How about the top five guys that give I would me, consider here? Okay. Give me five guys you would consider. That's fine. All right. Boyd. I said 10 because I don't trust the ADP of whatever. Yeah. No, I'm going to give you the guys that yeah. I would consider here. Boyd is available. Okay. Boyd. I would consider, um, John Brown, uh, Jameson, like Jameson Crowder and Mike Williams and then Emmanuel Sanders. Those would be the guys I would consider. Wow. So already wide receivers get it to me this is a tyler boyd spot all yeah, day i don't I mind um manny sanders here i think he's got a lot of upside but i also think sanders will be there for your next pick and um the other names give me give me uh jay crowder another guy who i think yeah. will will sit there jameson crowder is one of these guys even when he comes up he just sits there nobody takes him they're they're busy with other positions i do think that you are going based on who's left you are about to experience in this league I would take Boyd. That's what I did. I took Boyd. And then that's a good play. And then I expect that you are about to experience a run on quarterback and on tight end. So 
my guess will be, and I'd love to like have a follow up. It's too bad we can't follow up on these things based on my on the experience. Next, on the next podcast, I'll go. Yeah, back we and could we could do another. But, but we're but at an hour, so experience. we need to we need to wrap. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. But based on my experience, that league is now going to go through a quarterback and tight end frenzy to the point where if you don't get one of these guys in the next two rounds, you're really going to get to um uh like especially with tight end, you'll you'll start to get to that second. I don't like the tight ends that are available, so I'm definitely down to wait. And you know we love Jonu Smith and Mike Gusecki late, so there are definite targets for you like in the next probably round or so or two. And one of those guys, I think you've got to get. And then at some point, you might want to consider Josh Allen with that next pick, um, if if it, when it comes around four or five picks. So let's call it a show, guys. This is the bold call, best ball strategy breakdown. I hope this helps everybody. DraftKings launched their format. You're going to have a lot of opportunity. One, one cool thing about the DraftKings, I have to give it to them. It's very good about notifying you when your pick is up and that's the ultimate they have a slow draft format meaning i don't need to dedicate two hours of one day to a draft i I can't do that i only got that kind of fucking time so you know it's a slow format it goes over the course of a couple weeks you have a lot of time to make your pick which is a beautiful thing um for those of you who are enjoying this content guys i'm i'm asking you again Make sure you like the channel, you like the video, you subscribe to the channel, hit the notifications button, wherever you're listening to this, uh, you know, Podbean, uh, iTunes, what, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, whatever it is, whatever it is, make sure you like and subscribe. Let us know that you're listening. It really helps us get the word out about this show. Um, it helps us get eyes on the show and and it just lets us know that you're out there watching this and that you like what we're doing so please let us do that and of course if you want to get the full access to the dfs army draft kit if you want to get full access to daily fantasy sports content from dfs army which is the best in the industry our optimizer is unmatched go to dfsarmy.com use promo code says for my man over here support him sez use promo code says sign up as a vip you get all sports one price, every single sport, NASCAR, MMA, everything from the best, sharpest minds in the DFS industry from top ranked pros. Go do it. Sign up, like, and subscribe. And we will be back again soon with another bold call. I'll actually be back very soon, says, with my own breakdown of the week one salaries and essentially a way too early look at DraftKings FanDuel week one salaries. So look forward to that here within the next 24 hours as well. Just quickly, if you're on Twitter, give me a follow on Twitter at Alan Seslowski. You can look in the description of this video to get the spelling if you have any problems or Alan Fantasy Football on Instagram. All right. I will never be able to spell it. Now, Alan Fantasy do Football? <laughs> no, Alan Seslowski. Yeah. All right. I can't spell it. All right. That'll do it for the bowl call. We'll be back next time. More fantasy football discussion. We're in August. We are in crunch time. All right. NFL is happening, all. guys. Good luck. Got the best coaches in the game, <laughs> we really ain't playing. We regroup up in the Slack chat where the coaches debrief. We be piecing these puzzles, occupy the chunk of the pie. Ain't no lie when we hit the block, helmets cast.